You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 290 of the PHP Ugly podcast. I'm pretty sure the longest running, continuously running PHP podcast. Not that that not that we're going to be driving around in a Lambo anytime soon or anything like that. <laughs> it's the Simpsons of podcasts. We are marching our way to episode 300, and we're glad you joined us. If you don't know who we are, we talk every week about our development life, our friendship, and whatever else we have going on in the world. We try to stay focused on PHP stuff. No, we don't. But you never know where this is going to take you. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me is John Congdon. You almost said the PHP Architect podcast, didn't you? I, I, re- I refuse to answer that question, and Tom, right up. Hello. I want a Lambo. Why don't I have a Lambo? <laughs> How is everybody doing this week? I'm tired, tired of... Yeah. I'm tired of Laravel. Oh, man. Tired of Laravel? Are you still having trouble Why? with your upgrade? Yeah, yeah. you got to be kidding me, man. No. Yeah, it's what, been a mess. What's, what's causing you issues now? It's the framework. Your code isn't supposed to be so tightly coupled to the framework that you have this kind of trouble. It's the the file system <laughs> stuff. The uh, they what changed to a, they updated to a new version of Fly System, and we so it's not Laravel. A, it's Fly System. Well, Fly System is part of Laravel. Well, no, I, I Fly haven't System heard is Fly anybody, System. It's just a package that Laravel heard uses, right? I know anybody I having know. issues. So stop complaining about Laravel when it's not Laravel's fault this time. Well, there's other Laravel things, but okay. <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to keep it straight. If it's fly system, that's completely separate from Laravel. Well, I'm just trying to keep it not straight. So, <laughs> Thank quit you. bugging me. <laughs> well, I'm gotten back into some hardcore coding. I after years of kind of talking about how I love the concept of event sourcing and paying people to code some event sourcing. I'm, I backed myself into a corner where I've got to now put up or shut up and do some event sourcing coding myself. Well, that's good. Uh, it, and how, it sucks and nobody should use it. Fuck it. <laughs> so it's not going well. Is that what you're saying? No, no, it's going all right. I, uh, I, uh, I have issues, man. I don't know what I want to, I want to do. Is this uh, what you want to pair about tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this that's definitely part of it. I'm using a package. I'm using a spotty package, which I'm not a uh, ugly, ugly little truth about me in the Laravel world. I I dig spotty. I like the people, but man, their packages just are hard. They're just they're not really great. Uh, the ones that I've used, like the smaller ones, are fine, but this one's pretty going to be pretty important to the whole architecture of the application. And I'm, I don't know. I'm just really worried about it. The only reason I went ahead and used it was because it was recently updated. So I, I, I was looking at how, how much are keeping this package current, 
The documentation already seems a little bit out of sync with the package, but uh, I don't know. Uh, so we know, John, we know you've done some, you do some event source, event sourcing. Yep. Tom, do you? I haven't really done anything with event sourcing. Okay. Um, but you understand the concept of it, right? Sure, sure. Collect everything, compile down to what you're really looking for. Yeah, yeah, and it, and conceptually, it's pretty cool. I mean, that a lot of there's a lot of concepts behind it, but one of the bigger concepts that drew me to it was the fact that you don't know what data you're leaving on the table. Like when when you update a record in a database, and you you're not keeping that history or just stuff in general. You don't know what data you might want in the future to correlate things and, and make sense out of everything. So I'm a fan of it. We've tried to implement it in the past on some projects. I'm fine coding it. Um, but I do have a question, I guess, for you, John, and maybe for you, Tom, since you conceptually understand how event sourcing works. Is there still a need for soft deletes? Like if you're event sourcing everything... In Laravel, you have this option of adding soft deletes to your model where it won't actually remove it from the database. It'll just mark it as deleted. If, if you're thinking that way, you're thinking event sourcing wrong. Well, I'm not even thinking of it at, from an event sourcing perspective. But uh, So I assume your answer would be no. Correct. You, you shouldn't be thinking models. I'm not you shouldn't be thinking models at all unless it's read-only models. In which case, you would never. Uh, in which case, you would never do a delete. In which case, there is no soft delete. Well, but you would never do a delete. You don't delete. Delete would, delete would just be one of the events that you track. Yeah, Cor- correct. You, you, but so you wouldn't just, be hitting a model to do the delete. Your projection would be right. A delete, which would not persist, which or would, it would get rid of your projection. Right. So it is it is a soft delete, but it's just not using but the not on a model. soft deletes. Yeah, it's not on a model, it's on the projection. Right. Okay. So the record, so, the record so you, just stops showing up. Now, that is to say soft deletes in Laravel have multiple purposes. Um, because you can query with trashed or only trashed or things like that. So with that, you can track how many are deleted a day or you know, things like that. But even then, that should be a projection from your event sourcing if that's a metric you want to track. Right. So, like, it really it, it, the Laravel soft delete wouldn't be part of what you're doing. So, you, so you you don't think there's a need for them either? Not the Laravel version, but I mean, what event sourcing is is true soft deletes because you mm-hmm. you're doing it the softest way possible, which is just an event that says this record is now right. Right. I I did post a so I use event sauce as the library. And I did post a message uh, service for Illuminate. So I'm assuming this would work with, with Laravel just fine. The message repository. Because I think when you and I first started talking about it, I used Doctrine. So there's the library there that makes it super easy to get your aggregate out of the event store and repopulate. So now you can do the same thing with Illuminate. I just had never looked for it before. Mm. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have to pivot and take a look at that. We'll we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, so with event sauce, what hand, what 
what handles your event bus? Like, is that is that something you have to think about, or is that part of that package? Uh, I think it's part of the package. I have to go look at it again. Yeah. So I I don't do a lot with the event bus per se. I send commands to event sauce or to my aggregate, and then just save the events as part of it. There's no event bus per se. Now I can fire events separately to be handled. But the core event that changes the aggregate is just part of the entire aggregate. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'm not too deep into it, so I, I, I'm definitely at a point where I think I can pivot and um, switch up to event sauce. I I had been looking at event sauce and I was bouncing back and forth, but I'm not saying you have to. No. I, I'm interested in looking I, at Spotty's I don't care package. if you said I had to or not, I don't listen to you. I just ask you questions and see how not to do things. It sounds but like yeah. that sounds like the right way to do it. I, 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 I've been like real skittish. I, I've, been, I've been very skittish of spotty packages. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to talk bad about them. Just They've got so many open source packages out there. And it's very difficult to keep up with all of them. And on top of that, keep the package up to date with Laravel, which is always updating. Oh, with the and Tom says it, which he's always... crazy. No one said you're crazy. We just were curious no, why it's so I hard to upgrade. Yeah, no. Why is it so hard to upgrade to the latest version of, of Laravel? Because <laughs> shit keeps getting broken. Dumb shit that doesn't. But get you put complain in the about Fly guide. system, which is not. <laughs> that was just the latest thing. <laughs> Which is not Laravel, though. The last latest thing you complained about wasn't Laravel either. The uh, Horizon, you remember this conversation? The whole Horizon stupid, it cost me a million dollars. Yeah, that was a year but ago. But no, it it wasn't that, was it? Shut up. <laughs> have you taken how do the I, event sourcing How do I get course? out of this conversation? Have you taken the event sourcing course from Spady? Uh, there's Wait. a course? I, I bought the book. The, so there's you bought a, the video course, didn't you? Yeah, the video course is like two hours on how to use the event sourcing package from Spady. Oh, Spotty. yeah, I did. I did buy that. Yeah, we we bought it for a developer that is not with us any longer. Yeah, and it was it was so, inspired by Event Sauce, so you should see crossover concepts there. I'll I'll watch it. I I thought when I was started watching it, I thought it was. I must have misunderstood what the videos were about because I could have sworn that they were they were walking through how they built the package it's a weird amount of nudity for a for a training video but i might have had the wrong video <laughs> uh, yeah you may you might have been on the you might have been on the dot dot us uh spotty yeah. website that'll, that'll cause problems <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm enjoying it, man. You know, it's funny because you you get you develop long enough, especially if you've just developed on one or two projects, you're gonna get caught up in like these um, I don't know these niches of development, and you forget about all the other cool things out there that you like to play with. And event sourcing is definitely one of them. I got I got another question for you guys, actually, um, because of the the kind of nature of this application I'm developing, it really needs a state machine, right? So it needs to, the, the, the object needs to have an understanding of what state it's in 
in what states it can be promoted to or demoted to, right? It's a typical state machine. And I naturally reached for a state machine when I thought about that. I'm like, well, shit, this is a state machine. Let me just, you know, go ahead and do state machine here. But I started thinking about it. It's like, do I really need a state machine? Like with PHP enums and 8.1, can I just kind of create some enums and then, you know, create an enum class of, states for the object and then kind of make everything else the like what it can promote to and what it can be demoted to as a validation. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what, what state machine isn't that all state machine really is? That's what I kept telling myself. I, I think I think actually implementing a state machine at this point with enums being what they are in PHP eight one just seems like it's overkill. I would agree. But then again, I don't do a lot with state machines to begin with. Everything is really, like you said, it's an enum and there are states that it can be. Mm-hmm. And it's just rules on where you can go to and from. So you do use a state machine. You just don't call it a state machine. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, when you think about it, that's what, when you get to event sourcing, that's what your aggregate is. It's the state machine that says, oh, you want to perform this event or you want me to do this command, am I in the right state to be able to do that? Can I accept it? Yeah, and those are, what are those called, like reflectors? Or no, what, reflectors are outside things, right? I have no clue. Rea- reactors. Re- reactors are when you want to do things like send an email or something like that. There's something that handles the actual, um, maybe it is aggregate. You said aggregate, right? Yep, aggregate. You said yeah. yeah. So, so that's that in, that's in charge of it takes the command, finds out if it can perform that command based on the current state, executes it, gets the events from it, and then records the events that have happened. Yeah. A re- in the Spady package, a reactor reacts to an event occurring. So it does stuff like sending mail or notifications or whatever. Right. So in the event sauce world, you go through all the this event happened and then you can fire another fire event to your event bus that gets propagated like that, sending emails and stuff like that, which may, and there's end, a w- which may end up in more events back to your aggregate, but that's a little different. And there's a way, is, there's a way for it not to fire those. So the, the, the benefit of the Spady package is that the reactors you, you configure it so that they don't fire again if you need to refire the events. So if you need to play right. play back the the events, so events also does that as well, right? Right. So your your aggregates responsible for that. It it records the event, fires the event back to your event bus to do sending email and stuff. When you reconstitute from your events, you're not. You're just applying them to the aggregate. You're not replaying them through the entire aggregate. Interesting. Kevin in our Discord says that he he has yet to find a practical use for a state machine. I find that really odd. I honestly think as developers, we don't use state machines enough. Whether whether you're calling it a state machine, whether you call it... How how John's doing it, or or event sourcing, understanding the different states that data can be in, and how it gets to that state, and how it's allowed to get to that mm-hmm. state, is just something I don't think we use enough as developers. I think it's really one of our blind spots that we should you know work more at 
thinking that way. Yeah, I think we we all do it. We just, like you said, we don't call it state machines. It's just a matter of coding. We try to yeah. prevent bad data from happening. So mm-hmm. if something's going to happen, we say, can it? Did we get there? Yes. Now, we often do that, like you said, with an enum. Like, here's the status of this record. Um, can I do the next thing that should happen? Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to delete it? Well, it depends on the state it's in. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, the, the enums just seem like a, such a simple way of doing that now. It, that coupled with the event sourcing, yeah, yeah I, but, I can probably pull that whole state machine out. But still having a, a specific service object or state machine object, whatever you want to call it, that manages that state. Can I go from shipped to not shipped or, you know, whatever the right. status of your right. thing is. Mm. Often you, you can't it, do one it, thing with another. It's still good to have that defined somewhere, right? Right. Like, you know, yeah, you know, what are the, this object here? What are the states that it's allowed to be in? Well, you know, here is the enum that tells you what state this object is allowed to be in. Yeah. All right. So I feel better about that. I, I, I spent a good chunk of the day ro- rolling out a state machine that I had previously used. And it's like the more complex it got, you know, and I remember going through this before. I was like, once you get everything configured, it's it's really easy at that point. It's just getting everything initially configured. But I, you know, I was I was getting into it. And I'm like, God, all I need is to get enum and you know, like you said, validations or this aggregate that tells mm-hmm. me whether or not I can do this or can't do this. So I I, I rolled it back out, which is you know. Always a pleasant feeling when you've spent a few hours coding something, realizing <laughs> this this was a waste of time. But, it's better than yeah. keep it, keeping it and regretting it later. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's that's right. that should be something we do more often: is try something, get rid of it. Try it a different way, get rid of it. You know, try it a, two, three different ways before we settle on how we want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us get so focused in on, you know, I'm going to do it and just keep everything I'm doing all the way to the end. I'm not trying different ways of doing it. You're not going to admit you're wrong. You you won't have to worry about this code in another year. Just get it out. Exactly. <laughs> let somebody, let it be somebody else's problem. It's job security. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We, we've had that conversation in the past, right? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, John and I were, were talking about that recently as well. You know, like that whole Paid by the hour, or, or just you know, poor development is job security because you know the you get these companies who have managers who don't understand development. All they know is their developers have to keep working on the code because the code's always breaking. And it's like, yeah, because they're not using good practices. You know, it's a bad model there. <laughs> <laughs> or we want to pay you less. So it's just going to take longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, John, yes. How was your How was your week? My week has been fantastic. I've been dealing a lot with the uh, Google API and OAuth because we have some legacy code still using a very old version of the League's OAuth client package, which is not compatible with PHP 8s, which is preventing us from getting to PHP 8, and that's very Ooh. frustrating. So. I'm now in the mindset of how do I replace that? I've spent a couple of good days so far and just the way it's all hard coded within the system is difficult to replace everything. 
which means I'm now getting into the Google API that much more. Which and is also not fun. Like, not fun, but I'm like, I'm right there on the edge. Like, I think I got it working. Nope. I think I got it working. Nope. think I got it. <laughs> it's like that up and down. It's like, let me refresh again. Damn. Oh, I got further. Then it stops. Yeah. So it's been fun. I did have a, a fun week on Tuesday. So I, I talk a lot about phone burner and the, the company. Really, we didn't notice that they are. So I got this this week. Ooh, a challenge been, coin. Well, been with them for uh, 10 years at this point. They're the reason I was able to move out here to San Diego, Eric. So you should be like happy about that. So that's their, their old logo back when they were networks online. So I got the last one of these things that have their old logo on it. That's very cool. It's a nice little commemorative piece. And then, so that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I got to fly Black Mountain again. So I got to do some paragliding, which has been phenomenal. I posted a video about it. Or my first video where I flew with a GoPro on my head on our Patreon page. This really is my should. Patreon page. Our Patreon page. Well, Eric's Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, there's one piece of the video that I was inside freaking out a little bit, but I was like, I'm okay. Like, where I came really close to the ground on the, the uh, hillside, flying too too much towards the hill. Yeah, I'd be freaking out at the part where I was suspended <clears throat> by tiny wires hanging off of a sheet in hundreds of feet in the air. Nah, that part's no problem. Yeah, no it's problem. It's the... It's the swooping around. I was, I'm trying so hard to figure out how to get lift. And so I got a little more adventurous on this flight and just stayed closer to the hill, which isn't bad. It was more the fact that I was flying towards the hill and then like coming in, swooping, turned out. But I landed within a couple of feet of my spot of where I wanted to land. So very happy about that. Been a good week for the most part. Well, excellent. Uh, earlier, John, you had said something about a Lamborghini. I have not said anything about a Lamborghini. What what brought that on? I haven't said anything about a Lamborghini because I don't have a Lamborghini. The first, the first thing you said actually is that was Eric. Thank you. You were were being introduced (laughs) and said you didn't have a Lamborghini. (laughs) You you might've said that, John. Did I? I don't know. I don't have a Lamborghini. Let's talk about. Taylor Go ahead. Has, an, has a Lamborghini now. That's what everyone said the last time he took did a photo shoot on some fancy car. Maybe it's not his. So, Maybe it's just so a that's photo the thing. Shoot. That's the thing is that two years ago on his birthday, he, he rented or his wife rented for him a Lamborghini and he did a little photo shoot with it. And people were freaking out on Twitter. And he was like, guys, guys, calm down. It's just a rental. It's not a big deal. Relax. But this year, he 100% bought a Lamborghini. For his birthday, it's it's well, Laravel congrats orange. Congrats to him! Congrats to him! That's awesome. One day, I just, I, I just like that the reaction two years ago was like, "Relax, I'm not getting a Lamborghini," and then this year it was like, "Yeah, of course I got to look. fuck <laughs> off. I deserve it." <laughs> totally, you got a new car totally. too, Tom. What are you What are you talking about? I didn't get a Lamborghini. <laughs> you know, I didn't get all... a, I didn't get a new car. <laughs> and my daughter crashed my van. Oh no! Yeah. Now we know why you're a little bitter, don't we? I mean, that's one of many reasons. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I'm just a bitter person. No, you? 
No. Never would have guessed that. Oh, man. Well, you know what else is crashing? What's crashing? Well, it's dying. It's not crashing so much. Uh, We talked about this in the past several times. When Microsoft bought GitHub, I think one of the first questions I had was, what about Adam? Like, why would Microsoft keep Adam around GitHub's code editor if they have VS Code? Everybody's like, oh, no, they're they're both, you know, they, they, they kind of play in the same arena, but they both have their own little tweaks and differences. I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. Oh, they're open source, so they won't go anywhere. No, but you don't understand. Why would GitHub keep supporting this editor when they're owned by Microsoft and Microsoft has VS Code? Well, Adam's gone. <laughs> gone? Like, gone, gone? Just just removed? It's go. It's going, yeah. No, it's going. I, I, um, I, I can pull up the article if you're if you're going to put me on the spot like that. I don't, I don't really appreciate that much because I don't know how to use, uh, I don't know how to use the internet. But yeah, uh, bad news. Uh, see, it's been discontinued. So that's all it says. It's been discontinued. So yeah. And speaking of VS Code, I got, I got the invite to Code Spaces. I think it's called. To what? The GitHub Code Spaces, that's the VS Code editor within GitHub. I need to oh. I need to go do that. Well you know I keep forgetting to set that up. You know, the uh the Atom dev team could have seen this coming. If only they had used Honey Badger. This episode of PHP Ugly is sponsored by HoneyBadger.io, the web developer's secret weapon. HoneyBadger offers exception, uptime, and cron monitoring all in one place, and it is easily installed into your web application. Deploy with confidence and be your team's DevOps hero. Their list of features can fit a team of any size. Are you just starting out? Have a fantastic free plan for life that you can use while your traffic is low. Are you an established business? Perfect. You should have a system in place to alert you to errors in real time, not finding out when your web visitors complain, if they ever do. In addition, their third-party integrations will let you connect some of the most commonly used alerting services so that you can know at a moment's notice if things go wrong. Head over to honeybadger.io to sign up for a free account to get started. And while you are listening to a PHP podcast, HoneyBadger supports so many languages, including Ruby, JavaScript, Elixir, Python, Go, and so many more. Head over to honeybadger.io and start your trial today. Thank you, HoneyBadger. Thank you, HoneyBadger. Yay, HoneyBadger. So uh, we've been we've been doing this development thing for a very long time, and uh, we've talked a lot about serverless in the past. And really, the only I mean, there there's been variations of what serverless means, but the big player in this arena has always been AWS and their their serverless architecture with their lambdas and all that. And even Taylor ended up writing a service around it called. Vapor, right? Is that what Vapor is? Yeah, yeah Vapor. So, yeah. Just because it's so stinking complex on how to get everything set up. And that's always been like a running theme with AWS for a while now. It's just the complexity. Like the, they have a service for everything, but understanding how to get uh, the correct authentications going and getting everything talking to everything correctly has always been like this a little bit of a struggle. So as like a practice for for Diego Dev, we have clients 
who have pretty large footprints on AWS. But for our stuff, we use another service called DigitalOcean, which I got to wish they'd be a sponsor because I, I could easily pimp these guys out. Um, we've been using DigitalOcean for, for a long time. They're like they're like AWS Lite. Like they have a lot of the important sort of services that you would use at AWS without a lot of the complexity. And they keep growing these things. And the one, the big one they had been missing for a long time was a database service. So AWS released RDS, Relational Database Service, which kind of abstracted away running a database server. It was sweet. Really wanted that in DigitalOcean. They, they did that. AWS for years had, had, has had these serverless service, services around. Well, now... DigitalOcean has something like this, and I'm very curious. I haven't played with it yet. It's called App Platform at DigitalOcean. haven't played with it yet, um, but it's supposed to be like AWS's uh, Lambdas, where you just worry about writing your code, you deploy your code, you don't worry anything about the servers anymore, and your code just runs. Now, Does it work with PHP out of the box? It does work with PHP out of the box. There's stuff for PHP for... Uh, how to write PHP programs for it. And that's one step it had up on Lambdas for sure. The weird thing about Lambdas with AWS is like you, you could very easily um, get caught up in the situation. Like Tom got caught up, not a Lambda situation as a service situation <laughs> so much, but like you, you find out your application is like using a service way too much. Like it, it it'll just run your bill through the roof. I'm wondering how DigitalOcean stacks up against that as, as far as, I don't know. Like, Lambda services aren't meant to run 24-7. It's not meant to be, like, a server. So we did some experimenting. We deployed uh, uh, our user group blog out there just to see if we could understand how everything works. And, and it's not really meant to be like that. It's meant to run, like, small little applications that you, you could offload that work too, but they don't always run like the the common that the common example they use is like a photo processing sort of service where you say okay I want to I want to be able to upload a photo and I want it to crop it and do all the stuff and you don't it, it's it's process intensive but it only runs it only needs to run for like a minute be done and then I'm not going to need to run that again for another three or four days. So I'm I'm kind of curious what this DigitalOcean app platform because they made it sound more like a um what's that other one called a Heroku or Platform SH where you can just write your application and deploy it and don't worry about the servers. Sorry, I keep hitting my mic. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't really so messed around that a lot sound with like it. Serverless as much as auto scaling machines. Well, it depends on your your definition of serverless, right? So Heroku, from their perspective, you're not managing servers, so it's serverless, right? And I mean, that's what a lot of people is like. Okay, as long as I don't have to manage the server, and it's always there for me, and I can customize the server as far as the what you know what uh, release of the language I want it to run and, and what's connected to it. But isn't that? I don't know. Any sort of like, so would you call EC2 instance serverless? Well, it depends on what uh, EC2 instance. No, 
because that's a server you have to log into. You have to set up your Nginx or your Apache or your whatever you're going to use it for. You have to manage it. You have to patch it. So that is not serverless because you have a server you're managing. But Heroku, for example, all Heroku is is you you define your uh, your server. Like I want PHP eight point one. I want there to be a database associated to this application. It's not necessarily a server. You, you define the parameters of the application. And every time you do a deployment, it handles that server for you. You don't. So you, you never a, log into a server. You almost get a new instance, but with everything pre-configured for you. Right. Exactly correct. Yeah. And lambdas, lambdas are even you know taken even a step further, right? I mean, like I said, lambdas are not meant to uh, run like a regular website. They're meant to be process intense jobs that you want to offload things to. <laughs> the way yeah. Eric explains it, it doesn't sound bad. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the first time that's ever been the case. And, and so the, the big thing is uh, with AWS uh, lambdas, it didn't support PHP out the box. I think out the box, all it did was Python. Initially it was just Python and Java. Then eventually they came up with, uh, they did some JavaScript, like Node, I think was uh, what they came up with. Then we had people in the community create Bref, B-R-E-F, to uh, help you run PHP applications on Lambdas. And then, and like I said, then Taylor came up with Vapor, which is actually leverages Bref, or, or did. I don't know if it still does. I haven't followed that project that closely, but... But it's always been like a workaround to get it to work in AWS, whereas DigitalOcean out the box supports PHP. What did, you, what did you say the service was called on DigitalOcean? It's just called DigitalOcean App Platform. Okay. I think when once you log in, it's called Functions. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, digital, say create, digital create Ocean function. Fun, yeah. DigitalOcean Functions is a serverless computing solution that runs on demand. Yeah. That's okay. their version of Lambda. So I like this stuff. I haven't played with it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. There's a simple hello world function capability. Time to check it out. I need a hello world app. <laughs> See how long it, it takes you to run that to ring up a, a million dollars. <laughs> I'm sure if anyone could do it, you could. That's what I'm good at. Did you guys watch uh, WWDC? No. Nope. No. Did I miss something? Well, they announced no. what I what I had predicted, which was the M2 chipset. Whoa, that's a very, very wild prediction. I got one you for mean, you. You mean the, the M3? We'll we'll cut back to the we'll cut back to the episode where I had predicted they were going to create the M2 within a couple years, and you had said it'll be at least ten years. I think you're way off base with that. I said I'm not getting excited about the M1 because the moment you buy one, six months later they're going to release the M2. I can bake on that. I said that because I remember saying that. <laughs> well, a lot of interesting stuff from from uh, WWDC. Uh, one of the big things is the FIDO alliance uh, that Apple, Google, and Microsoft are working together to make your phone your password. Um, so this is something that I think all of us are going to have to deal with in the coming years once this becomes the sort of mainstream technology because all of the Pixel phones and Android phones and iPhones and stuff are going to have this as 
their built-in functionality. So yet another new implementation of, of 2FA that we have to deal with and all the things that can go wrong with a new password technology. Yeah, because I've never broken a phone before. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, they, they, they're pretty much known for being made out of solid steel. Or been at your computer trying to log into something and be like, oh, damn it, now I'm going to go upstairs and get my phone. Or well, not all of us have a West Wing we have to walk to to get her phone. Yeah, we don't have spiral staircases to our Lambo group. Um, but one of the interesting things that Apple's doing is pay later, where, like, they, you know, Apple Pay's been a big thing of theirs. They're, they're trying to push it really hard. Tom, Tom's waiting for the just don't pay plan. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with this because if you use the like pay later functionality, it just automatically splits up the payment into four monthly transactions. Yeah, so, I mean like, that that that's actually something you can do on Amazon now. You can you can use their little service to basically pay later, where just whenever you buy something, it'll, it'll break your stuff down. But that's. That's, I mean, so I think PayPal has that too. Yeah, I think that's an Amazon Prime feature, though. And I don't know a lot of irresponsible teenagers who have Amazon Prime, but I know a lot of irresponsible teenagers who have an True, good point. And I'm just waiting for this to be like the new credit crisis for Gen Z. I'm sure they're going to have protections built in this at some degree. Like you can only do this X number of time, X number of purchases until it's paid off. But what is it? I, I, I guess I don't understand what it is. So you you just use your phone <clears throat> to pay for something like you normally would, but you use the pay later feature. You use the but you never you, you, get you never buttons. actually use your phone, yeah, right? Yeah, you, you do. You, you, <clears throat> well, no, you no. use your credit card attached to your phone. Thank you, John, because Tom doesn't let me finish a freaking thought. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but like you use your your phone as uh, an NFC tapping device and it'll just pop up a dialogue that says do you want to pay for the whole thing now or do you want to split it into four payments yeah but you're not using your phone you're using a credit card so is this a partnership they have with the credit cards i say okay we're going to pay we're going to charge them every month i, I that's what i'm asking it's like so you never actually use your phone to pay for it unless you have the apple credit card well i believe that when you are signed up for Apple Pay, you get the Apple credit card and it ties to your credit card. And you, I mean, this is how Apple does the like random credit card number generation and all the security stuff that they do for Apple is that they are actually acting as a debit card company. Do you know Google Pay does that too, right? Right. Like when you use, when you use your Google Pay, it, it's not giving them the credit card information. It's randomly generating a credit card that it gives the NFC. Right. So I think it's the same thing where they're acting as a, sort of a broker man in the middle type thing. And so, so is that what's breaking it into for payments? Yeah. So Apple pays the whole thing off immediately, the whole, the whole price immediately, and then charges your card four times. So that's interesting because, okay. Yeah. I don't care. It's, I don't it's do supposed Apple, to be so. zero interest. It's just going to be interesting to see how, how they manage fraud and, and uh, people declining to pay or something like that. I mean, it's going to be interesting. From what I'm reading, it yeah. encourages uh, bigger purchases. It's Good. Just make that's what spend more money that's what faster. We need. Of course. But there's there was an interesting story that didn't get covered at WWDC. Let me guess. The, the M2 and a half. No, oh. you know that's not their schema. It's the M2 Ultra and the M2 Mega Max. Come on, M2 Max. Missed it. The European Union has decided that. 
all devices should be charged with USB-C. And not, not that Apple needs to include a converter dongle from USB-C to Thunderbolt, but it has to be a native USB-C integration. Hmm. This, How come they get to decide this stuff? Well, because they're the EU. But uh, very interestingly, this also applies to laptops. Did I answer my question? Yeah. So all laptops produced for the EU starting uh, at whenever this starts. I don't know. Someone deleted my ticket. There it is. Uh, <laughs> so nobody did. <laughs> starting, I just couldn't find it. Yes. Yes, I couldn't find it. So by 2024, it's it applies to all mobile phones, tablets, and cameras. But by 2027, it's basically everything else. So it's going to be laptops, uh, you know, that, that it's funny that they have this rule because in by 2027, when we're on USB D and exactly. EU is stuck on USB C because that's the law, that's going to be hilarious. We'll all be laughing at them. Well, USB C is actually an interesting protocol because it's, de- it's the definition of the protocol and the plug shape. And the, re- one of the requirements moving forward is any future versions will have the same plug shape and will have to be backwards compatible to older versions of the USB-C protocol. That's so, crazy. Yeah, so USB-C is actually probably going to stick around for a very, very long time because backwards compatibility for power and data is part of the specification. I mean, honestly, with the exception of going wireless charging, I mean, why wouldn't you stick with the USB-C? It's It's... They finally got that that Be- connection correct yeah, because we don't know what we years. don't know what hap- what happens in ten years when things completely change and they find a way to do things faster, better with a different setup. Well, then it won't I mean, be USB we- anymore. Okay. Yeah. Or I'm saying as far as far as power requirements go, data transfer speeds, USB C pretty much checks all the boxes today. It, it does. In as far as, as far as you know, convenience of usage, right? It's it's the first time they made the damn fitting, like, you know, the, the, the same all the way around. So it doesn't matter if you can't plug it <laughs> yeah. in upside down anymore. Except it's fragile. I, on my old Pixel phone, I, I couldn't charge with USB-C anymore. It, the, I guess inside I mean, snapped. That's, that's all the USBs. I agree. I'm saying that that's the It won't be features. USB-E. It was a joke. USB-D was a joke. Whatever it is, the next evolution, EU is going to say, no, you have to use USB-C. Other places will be like, okay, we're evolving into whatever the next big thing is. I just don't think it should be a law. That's all I'm saying. I think it's stupid that you're regulating a company to do something. Well, they're also an industry, not not a company, an industry, regulating the whole industry. Yeah, they're also fighting the right to repair. That I agree with. The rest of the industry is USB-C for the most part, except for Apple, right? Apple is. Well, I don't think they are on their phone, but they're, they're, all their other devices are no, USB-C. I, I, no, they're I agree. No, your the iPad is is USB-C charging. The iPad, the, the yeah, their 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 mouse is Lightning. Well, so here's so their earbuds. So here's one of the things is that USB-C originally was a hundred watts maximum, but they in. Uh, May of last year, they released the USB-C 2.0 spec, which bumped it up to 240 watts, which is 5 amps. That's more watts. Yeah, that's <laughs> very good. 
Uh, show title uh, more watts. See, I, I wish I was faster. You said things. that's more watts. I wish I would have said watts. Like you said, that's more what? <laughs> we got our monthly update from XD Bug. Well, was there anything else with WDCC or WDDC or WCCD, whatever that thing is? Well, WWDC. If if you're an app developer, there's a ton of stuff. They've completely redesigned their lock screen interface to handle people who don't clear their notifications like my wife. So <laughs> she has like 200 notifications on her lock screen at all times. She has 2,000 unread emails. Oh, that's <laughs> nothing. Uh, Hold my beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not really my beer. My there's, beer but. There's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of information about their new memojis and stuff like that. Uh, one of the big things was the announcement of the new MacBook oh, Air, uh, which is super powerful super low energy consumption uh it's always this is always my argument it's always so powerful it's always so this and it's not it's not the next one comes out i told you i told you i get like 12 hours of oh my god this is coming from the man who used to say oh apple always hypes up their underpowered stuff like it's something awesome you remember when you used to be that guy i said they overcharge for their underpowered stuff (laughs) Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. He has a point. He did say that. Yeah, Yeah, he did say that. Now now they're overcharging for their incredibly powerful stuff. It's still still overcharging. It's just, it's surprisingly powerful. And yeah, I get 12 hours of coding on my laptop unplugged. Like, no problem. Where do you go with your laptop unplugged? Nowhere. But there are people. You're so full of shit. There are people who listen. You've never unplugged your laptop. There are people who have real lives that listen to this podcast, I assume, who would He who would like unplugged his laptop, took it down to the living room to code, fell asleep, woke up 12 hours later. He's like, hey, it's still charged. I've been coding for like 12 hours. Yeah, it's also not beer proof. <laughs> still. I, I mean, hey, really. Are we drinking a, the same thing? One of the. Yes, we are. Awesome. One of the interesting things is, is that like I would say 10 of their announcements are Android features from like five years ago. Like, well, that's not unusual. Yeah, like family sharing of photo albums. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, one of the one I'm of the like, big what are they talking about? One of the big announcements is that when you're using voice typing mode, it doesn't hide the keyboard from you. And they spent like ten minutes on that, and I don't know why, because it just seems like that was a bug. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I've had I've had reviews where I had to make a bug like into a 10 minute presentation, but that was a little, they were a little too proud that this was no longer an issue. Um, A lot of really interesting stuff. I mean, you know, Mac is all about the ecosystem where you've got the phone, the Mac and the watch, and you could sort of smoothly transition between things. It's like, if you have something on your phone, you can swipe it like wirelessly swipe it to your, which is a super cool feature. Um, but one of their new things is now if you're on a FaceTime call, you can just walk to your computer and switch from your phone to your computer. You know, and it's that's, just like sort nice. of see see that that's going to ruin me because like that that's always my I gotta go. I look I'm back at the office. I'll call you right back when I sit down. <laughs> obviously talking you gotta go. obviously talking to somebody who who doesn't know you haven't had an office in three years. Oh, I still say I I still tell people I'm coming I'll I'll get back to you when I get to the office. It's better than saying, I'll, I'll get back to you when I get home and go to the room that I call my office. Well, yeah, that must be nice, too. Versus get to the desk in my bedroom. Yes. 
the desk that takes up a quarter of my bedroom. <laughs> my wife wants me to get a king size bed. I'm like, put it where? Where would it go? I don't have the office space for that yeah. lady. <laughs> get rid of that nice stand that's over there. You don't need that. Uh, they Apple is How trying do you to not get sleep the- in a king size bed. I was good. I was asking the same question. Yeah. Is that a fat joke? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels it's like a it sleeping with another person in the same bed joke. Oh, oh, right. Um, one of the interesting things is uh, uh, they're looking. He's not answering. He's just going to move right past that one. Apple is looking for uh, <laughs> FDA approval to to track your heart health and give you full. Uh, medical, like they want to act as a full EKG and track all of your heart behavior for the whole day and produce reports that tell you your actual heart health as if it were a medical device. Um, and they they seem confident okay. they're going to get approval for this, like Apple Watch as a medical device. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm sure that that's going to have some benefits. Which, I mean, they're probably there now. A lot, a lot yeah. of the, I mean, they that's they, they have the tech. Like they just don't have the approval yeah. to use it. Um, right, they 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 can't be recognized as yeah. And a if and if, if Apple ever got into the diabetes market, boy, they would just lay waste because an Apple Watch wasn't wasn't that they were talking about that a couple of years ago? Yeah, about it checking your blood sugar level and stuff the like that. Diabetes market is heavily lobbied by basically two companies that that own the whole market and have it locked down pretty tight. So you can't really do a whole lot without their. <clears throat> Um, Weird. Discord just crashed on me. <laughs> uh, they, they're also, the Apple Watch is doing like medication tracking. So you take a picture of the bottle of your medicine and it reads the instructions on when to take it and how to take it and sets a schedule up for you to remind you, hey, do, you know, take this medication. Now this medication. I, oh, I could use that. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing Apple is good at and Microsoft sucks at, which is built-in applications that do something cool and new. Not necessarily brilliantly innovative, right? Scanning a prescription label hasn't been a difficult thing since like 95 when we got OCR built into everything. But they were just like, yeah, this this is a thing that constantly annoys people and now it's just part of the watch environment. Like, why can't Microsoft make any new apps? It's just Windows and Office. Like, that's it. Because they're only worried about the enterprise, man. That's their bread and butter. They don't care about any of that other stuff. What even is enterprise? Is it really an enterprise? Yeah, so it, it was it was a mostly boring WWDC. Um, they had a whole section about the then Safari browser. Then why we spend browser. a half hour talking about it? <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I think it was I think it was three hours long. <laughs> we just spent a half hour talking about something that wasn't. It's two. It was two hours. Exciting. <laughs> I mean, we are a PHP podcast, yeah. so well. But the WWDC is a developers thing. It's it was they showed off the new campus. It uh, was extravagant and opulent. Amazingly enough, still talking about it. Yeah. I don't know how that's happening. Did I give you the X debug update? <laughs> no, no. It was the X debug update. Every month, the X the X debug update comes out from Derek Rathens. Rathens. 
rather than, and usually it's it's just you know little things I've done lately or the like progress on X, Xdebug Cloud. But there's an interesting new feature in the latest Xdebug that he is producing, which is the step into return value from function. So if you're oh. in a if you're in a function, you've always been able to step into or step over, but now he's adding a third option, which is step to the return value of this function. So is that? My question is, is it stop is it stopping between the return and the next point? There's because that's a, I, I often find myself getting to the return and then if I step out, I don't necessarily know what that return value was. So then I'm like, crap, I gotta go through it again, assign the return value to a variable, then return that so I can see what it is at that point in time. Right. It steps directly back to the call. That was made to that function. So you still that, don't that, get the that's, return. That's value. step out of. No, no, you that's get already, the re- yeah. you get the return value because the call that made that function would be x equals, and then a call. Not always. External, well, not, not always. If but, if I did if I do if function, I don't know what that re- return value is. That's what I'm trying to get at. I mean, I can obviously tell if it's true or false if that's all it was supposed to be. But if it's supposed if it returns a value. I may not know what that is if I'm not assigning it to a variable. I could always step so, out, so, and if I'm assigning it to something, check it. I, so to John's point, I think I think if it took you right up to the return and said, "Okay, I'm about to return. Here's where here's the state of this data." I think that would be very useful. So let me read the description here: the capture of return values while debugging. This feature allows you to step into the return value from function phase where PHP returns a value to the caller function. In so this step, like Good. In this step, there will only be one variable available, which is the return value of that function. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. It's between the return and going back to the, the calling function. Right. You're getting into that middle piece. That, that will be super helpful. Very helpful. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, and there's... There's a little animated GIF that that poorly displays how this works, but uh, he is already working with the PHP Storm and VS Code plugin teams to make sure that when this goes out, it will be part of VS Code and PHP Storm. So that's pretty cool. I'm really God. That guy is awesome. Yeah. Now um, I know why we pay him every month. And if you don't support him and use XDebug, you should definitely consider doing so. I'll I'll, after I'll pimp him after you support us. Come on, John. What are you thinking? I I am shocked at how little support he gets. Because I'm his shocked you haven't brought up our Patreon. His, hold on. His monthly goal. Fine. His monthly goal is twenty five hundred dollars <laughs> of Patreon support, and he's currently only got forty six percent of that, which I find fucking baffling. Well, so we used to support him on Patreon, but we don't any longer. Right. He, he because, has multiple streams because we moved to GitHub support. Right. Well, he's counting both Patreon and GitHub sponsors. Well, you, you just said if you look at his Patreon thing. No, I said he's he's reporting. You guys twist my words. Also, <laughs> no, the PHP Foundation words, pays him. Which well, is twisting his That's words. Exactly what using that means. his exact words. <laughs> uh, PHP Foundation also pays him as well. He stepped down from the board of the PHP Foundation so that he could um get. Yeah, you know, become one of the people who got paid through the PHP Foundation. Yeah. So a little bit on the sad news, though, is that he did publish a new video this month. Can you guess what it a is? A nude video? What? A new video. Why is he? 
getting he's doing training. Video. He's he's creating training videos on his YouTube channel. His latest uh-huh. training video is uh, debugging with Adam. So oh, Adam, <laughs> hoping hoping he didn't spend too much time on that video. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's a way to tie it all together, there, Tom. That was impressive. That's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> but yeah, really cool new feature. I'm super excited to have that coming up soon. Uh, going back to Buttery's question, in case that wasn't clear, it sounds like it's not. It pauses execution once you return before you get back to the calling function. So it's in that in between state where Tom was saying that. Yes. Once you get to that, once you get to that point within the step debugger. All you're going to have is a single variable, and that is going to be the return value. Yeah, and we're so, used to we're used to breakpoints being on a line, not being on a partial line. But I believe that in this case, the the, the jump to return is at the end of the line of the function. You won't be in a caller. file anymore. It's almost going to be like a virtual. Yeah, in my mind, it's going to be a virtual space where. You're between two files. You're on your way back up the stack or down the stack, however that works. I believe you end, Buttery's asking, so I believe you end up at the end of the line of the caller function. I think it's going to depend on how they implement that within the IDE, right? Because I foresee this being, almost like I said, this virtual space. It's not on the function you're in and it's not on the calling function. It's in that in-between state how they display that is to be determined. Yeah. And there is a little video on the uh, Xdebug blog. If you're in our discord, you can see it posted there. We post all of our articles that we're referencing on there. Oh, have we not said how to get to our, our discord channel? Discord.phpugly.com. And if you like it again, what was that? Discord.phpugly.com. I didn't say PHP architect. Did I? I wouldn't do that. No, you didn't, but you could. No, not really, but. And if you want if you want to have a special title, you can join us as a patron on Patreon. Thank that. you, Patreons. Patrons. You. It's a beautiful little parasitic. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the updated list. So I made sure I got, uh, got all the names correct little, there. Little Hermit. Little Hermit is the new Patreon who... Was supporting us last week, and for some reason his name got lost in the ether. I don't know why, but thank you, little hermit, and everybody else on this list. And yes, oh, and, and it's in order now. By the way, uh, who's supported us the longest to the most recent? So That's a good buttery. Way we it. all we all know buttery. The the next few are actually a little surprising that they're yep. two of our longest Patreon supporters. A purely out of obligation because they are employees. Yeah, because we force all of our employees. It's really that's the way it works. It's a tax incentive program. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen some YouTubers lately that read off the entire list. And it's like, really? Do you, do you have to do that? I, I saw that. I mean, we, I saw that that was a thing a little while ago. I haven't seen anyone do it lately. We we read off new ones, right? I mean, yeah. we've been reading off new ones for for no, years. No, but they now. take like the last five minutes of the video to read off. A hundred names or whatever it is is like. Well, yeah, that that's if you're soaking in a hot tub with you know a Lambo. like bikinis on, yeah, and you have nothing better to talk Orange about. Lambo, yes, zombie slayer. Did you hear? 
there was a PHP Ugly conference. We called it Wave PHP back in 2018. It was held here in San Diego. Was the PHP it was a fantastic experience. People loved it, but we did not continue it. There will be there will be another PHP Ugly conference. PHP we will Tech. Just call us. We'll just call it something different. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but did you guys catch? I mean, Tom, you're gonna gonna love this, and I have to admit. As much as I dislike the guy, Michael Dorinda had a great comeback on this. Did you hear the, the vanity tags that Taylor is getting on his Lamborghini? I I saw a whole circle jerk around getting vanity tags. I mean, the post on Twitter is is a who's who of who can kiss the most ass. I, I'm not talking about that. He posted what his, he's already ordered his vanity I, tags. I haven't and posted heard what they, what they were. <laughs> Facade. And then oh, Michael Dorinda wow. Michael Dorinda replied, Isn't that going to slow it down? <laughs> oh. Come on, oh. that's good stuff, man. Wow. That, I mean, and people who don't people who don't understand that it's a reference to Laravel are just gonna see a Lamborghini oh, I, I, that says Facade think- on it. I don't think we ever even explained it, right? I, I didn't want to get into it. It's not a big deal, but yeah. Taylor, we did talk yeah, we about did. Taylor Otwell bought a Lamborghini. Yeah, we did. The creator as, of Laravel. As, okay, yeah, as yeah. I understand it, his wife bought him a Lamborghini for his birthday. And he has... That's awesome. I, think, I believe she says. I believe she says he has three years to come up with an equally good gift for her birthday. That was her, the mansion her they tweet. just moved into, isn't it? Yeah. Also, they live in a mansion. <laughs> it's a McMansion, but still a mansion. It's a what mansion? McMansion. McMansion. Not heard that term. Are you kidding What's me? What's that? It's all of La Jolla. McMansion. Yeah. I, I you're going to have to explain it because I don't know what that means. I, uh, Is that an insult? Yeah, because it's like it's it looks like McDonald's. No, it's like it's like these cookie cutter style houses, like suburb style houses. Oh, that's that's Thank houses you. in general nowadays. But the McMansion is a reference to how the upper middle class basically said, "Well, I want a house that's mansion like, but I want it to be cheap enough that I can afford it." So they ended up building these gaudy, horrible faux rock facade buildings. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. For the record, I, I've said this to a couple of people who reached out to me about it. I'm happy for the guy. Uh, the guy has employees. As long as he's taking care of his employees, I you can't fault the man for he, he making makes, money and spending yeah, money. Sure he can. made something super successful. No, you can't. Stop I it. Mean, I, I <laughs> oh, my gosh. I make enough money to pay for my house. I mean, <laughs> we all spend our money in the ways we see fit. I'm happy for him. That's awesome. I wish I could afford him. An, another great post on Twitter was, I keep thinking JavaScript's cool, then this PHP guy buys a Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was the other the other big circle jerk comment on, uh, on his tweet about the Lambo. If you pull the tweet up, uh, every other comment is, uh, PHP is dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh. All right, There's, I think all we're right. wrapping Are up. Are we wrapping up? Yeah, I think so, too. What, am I out of stuff? No, I think so. It's just long. Yeah, stuff, stuff to talking. care about. Oh, that, too. Yeah, we just it's a good spot to wrap up. All right, that's going to be it. Next week, we're going to start our march to episode 300. By the way, I'm not here next week. 
What? But, what? Why do you do this to me? I'm gonna. I will. I mean, I will be in the middle I don't of the care. woods. I, I don't care. I don't in, care. It doesn't matter. You're an asshole, and week. we all know it now. Episode 290 is in the books. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it, Keep it ugly. ugly. Keep it ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shouts out to people. PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through and bless it with style So let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP, the programming language About to break it down, no exaggeration What do y'all do for a living? Web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.